Hi, this is Nicole Roberts-Jones, and welcome to the Faith, Purpose, Profit, what I like to call the FPP podcast. What I know for sure is that one of life's greatest gifts will meet you when you go after living as the highest and best version of who God created you to be. So here's where I share thought-provoking insight and behind-the-curtain conversations that will activate you into your next level. See, I'm not here for who you already are, but for who you have not yet become. And I want you to get this. One idea from these episodes can make a remarkable difference, not just in your purpose-focused business, but in your life. Also, make sure you join the conversation in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com. Now grab your pen as we begin today's session of the Faith Purpose Profit Podcast. We're starting a new series called More Money, More Purpose. Oh, I have so much to give you. So let me warn you up front, get a pen. We're going to do an activity, uh, probably actually a few, while we're live. And let me tell you why I decided to do this series. You know, about a month or so ago, I posted something that said, um, money is the root of all evil. And I left out the first part of the Bible verse on purpose. We're going to dig into all of the reasons I did that, how your purpose is attached to your bankroll, because it is. And even when I tell people that I am the bankroll, your brilliance expert, and it's my calling to help you bankroll your brilliance, many people say, how can you say bankroll and calling in the same sentence? So first, let me get you clear on that, and then I'm going to dig into this series. So I want you to understand that bankroll, the definition of bankroll is supply of money. And listen to this. Um, where is it? Second Corinthians nine ten says this. Now many, excuse me. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. I need you to understand that God made you on purpose with purpose, and it's from that purpose that God gifts you your supply, as you are the supply for somebody else. See, when you think about profit means gain, when you're doing the thing that you were born to do in this world, oh, people gain from you and God's give back to you. See, he gives seed to the sower. So if you're doing the work he's called you to do, you're going to reap. And that supply comes back in abundance. That's abundance in wealth. That's abundance in health. That's abundance in every area of your life. But this money conversation is a thing that I think comes up the most Anytime I'm talking to a faith-based person that wants to start a purpose-focused business. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to dig all the way in. In this part one, I'm going to give you some great context to the conversation. And I really want you to understand that God wants you to make money. But the question is, what's your focus? What's your viewpoint? So let me start with this. 1 Timothy 6.10, I had to read this Bible verse because I think this is the one that everybody gets held up on, right? It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through, through with many sorrows. Pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So let me read it one more time. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through through with many sorrows. When you're greedy, you pierce yourself through, you know, pierce means you hurt yourself. But the thing that I think is interesting is the Bible verse right before this, which is first Timothy six, nine says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. So it's all on what's your focus? What's your viewpoint? Why do you want it? I talked about that a few weeks ago. So I, it's all about, listen, how you handle your money. Because how you handle your money is, is it around purpose or is it because you're being greedy? Is it because you want to do more good in the world or is it all about you and what you want and the things that you want to acquire? So I want to start this conversation as we look at more money, more purpose, because ultimately that's what it's about. We're going to dig into that in a second. But even if I dig into this first Timothy six uh, nine and 10. So this is my commentary. I read from this all the time and I, I'm going to read it because it's so good. I came to pass this. Listen, this is a according to Tony Evans. Okay. This is what he says. 
when Paul speaks of those who want to be rich, he's talking about those who pursue and prize riches as life's priority. So he's not saying there's anything wrong with being wealthy. He's saying they prioritize that over purpose, over how it's benefiting, not just you. When they deceive themselves in this way, they're subject to temptation. When riches become all important, people succumb to foolish and harmful desires. So you know when people steal and rob, they're trying to get money for the wrong reason. Even though I say drug dealers, they're pursuing riches for the wrong reason. And look at what the world is gaining. Look at all the drug addicts that are out there. So when you look at the reason, the motive, your viewpoint on money, again, is it for purpose or is it for you to gain something? Okay. So even, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but going down further, and he talks about Ecclesiastes 5.10. I'm going to read that in part two. So make sure you join for part two. I'll tell you where to join uh, for that in a minute. One can be filled to overflowing with wealth and material possessions. Mm -hmm. But without an eternal perspective, such earthly focus will only result in craving for more and end in many griefs. The other hand, one could be the steward of God given wealth and yet find peace, purpose and contentment in God when pursuing the spiritual over the material. So that's really what this conversation is about. Are you focused on the spiritual? And here's what I want you to get. See, God put us down here to have kingdom on earth. I'm going to dig into that further in this series as well. And that's what I mean by more money, more purpose, because when you make more money, it's what are you doing with the money to move someone's life or purpose or family forward, right? And so I want to dig into that. And I really want you to do this exercise. But before I do that, grab your pen while I read this Bible verse to you. It's Matthew 6, 24 that says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God. And this one says mammon. Now, mammon in the Aramaic means riches. So what does money or making money mean to you? So I want you to pull out a pen and I want you to think about what does money mean to you? This is an exercise that I have done sometimes in live events called M plus M, money plus meaning. So I want you to write down, what's your big goal in the next year? By this time next year, how much money do you want to generate in your business or, or period in your bank account? Write that number down. You write that number down? Is it a five-figure number or is it a six-figure number? If you're bold enough, put it in the comments. And then I'm going to challenge you. Whatever number you wrote, I want you to double it. Okay, money's energy. So all you got to do is get the energy around it. Oh, we're going to talk about that too, right? You ready? So here's the next thing I want you to do. I want you to think about when you make that amount of money, what will that allow you to do? Think about it. And those of you that are here with me live, write that in the comments. When you make that amount, what will that amount allow you to do? Like, why do you want it? What's the purpose? What dreams and goals do you have for it, right? Thank you, Yolanda. Yolanda wrote 200000 She doubled it to 400000 What are you going to do with the money you're going to make? So for me, I'd have to write a million, so then I'd have to write two million, which scares me. I want it to scare you. And I really want you to think about what does that money allow you to do? Again, those of you that are here live, I want you to write out what will it allow you to do. Now, I wrote up my list because I knew I was going to ask you this. I'm going to read you my list. <laughs> so the first thing it has allowed me to do is I uh, inherited my childhood home when my father passed in 2014. And so my childhood home, thank you, Chris, you were 500K, great. So now you guys write what it's going to allow you to do. So for me, it allowed me to redo the entire house. I had set it up for my mom to move there and just recreated everything I wanted. Mm -hmm. So tell us what you mean by changing the trajectory of many people's lives and generations of mine and others. Be specific. What does that mean? If you're my client, you know how I am about being vague. <laughs> so for me, I was able to gut out my entire childhood home, add everything I ever wanted when I was little into that house. I added a room, a huge master bedroom. I added a walk-in closet. I added a, um, a phenomenal um, spa tub into it. 
And then when COVID happened and I realized my mother didn't want to move to LA and neither did I, neither did my husband. I was able to sell that house for double and buy the house I live in now. That's what my money allowed me to do. It allowed me to pay for my bonus kids to go to college in cash. When I look at making $2 million in my business, the number of entrepreneurs I'll be able to touch because I'll be able to double my team. And the more team I can hire, the more people I can serve. It means I can grow my corporate division to really help people get aligned with purpose at work. Because purpose is not just an entrepreneur question. We all have purpose. And it can allow me to retire with no debt and worry-free. And see, as I do all those things, do you see the meaning attached to that? The house I redid, listen, I moved, my mother's moving here this weekend. So she'll be here in the DMV area with me. Originally, the idea was California. When we all changed our mind, we all got in alignment with where I am now. And because I've been able to pursue my purpose, money comes. So I want you to really, really be clear. Those of you that were with me for last week as we ended the series we did, the Cultivate Your Calling series, and I had you look at, are you serving a small God? Are you serving a significant, from a significant place? Small God means you keep limiting your ability, and some of you guys are limiting the amount of money you can make, the amount of money you dream. Some of you guys did not write that big money goal because you're afraid of it. And I want you to get when you have that big number rumbling inside you, all you've got to do is do the work to go after it. If you're doing it on purpose for purpose, oh, God is going to meet you there and be your supplier. He gives seed to the sower. And so don't limit God's ability to bless you. Don't limit God's ability to use you because you can't see what's possible. I quote this all the time, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, when you profit, you gain, and everybody that's attached to you gains. But are you willing to do what it takes to reap what you sow? Sow little, reap little. That number you have, the big number. The number you didn't write because you were scared to write. That number, you know the number I'm talking about. All you've got to do is sow to be able to reap it. But it's all on viewpoint, Okay. Now, listen, those of you know that this is my foundational Bible verse from what I teach from Genesis 1, Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. See, multiply is attached to money. And it's also attached to your purpose. So how can God double what you're doing? How can God serve? Listen, I know I'm called to serve millions of people. I can't do that making six figures. If I'm going to be able to serve more, I've got to have more capacity, more people, more systems in place. That means I've got to hire more team to do it. I can't do that with me. And right now I have eight people on my team and they're all phenomenal. But I need more people. Eight people cannot serve a million people. <laughs> you get that? Listen, this is a quote I found from Pastor Jimmy Evans. It says, Mammon promises us those things that only God can give. Mammon promises us only those things that God can give security, identity, independence, power, and freedom. Mammon tells us that it can insulate us from life's problems and that money is the answer to every situation. How many times have you, have you prayed, God, you know, I really want to do something and you, you pray like, God, I need you to do a miracle or you pray to win a lottery. And neither one, dare I say, is, is real. Not saying that God can't do a miracle, but you're waiting for God to do something when God has given you purpose and he's waiting for you to activate it. And oftentimes you're praying and praying, you're waiting for God to do something. He's already done something. He planted a seed in you. He plants seed to the sower. Are you sowing that seed? Are you growing that purpose? Are you doing the work to activate it? So if you want more purpose, you've got to, yes, we know you've got to have more money, but you've got to be willing to do the work it takes to go and get it for the right reason. Listen, money says to gain success and status. God says to focus on significance. Money and following money says to buy and sell. God says you reap what you sow. And, he, and also he focuses on you serving and not selling. Money says to cheat and steal. God says to give and receive. So let me ask you a question. Why would God give you significance if he can't trust you with it? 
So for this first conversation, I want you to look at how do you look at money? Because how you view it is how you are maneuvering through it. Again, money is energy. So the energy you have around money is how you are either limiting God or you're going after your significance. So again, if money, the love of money is the root of all evil, and what God wants you to really do is love him, and he wants you to be willing to go after being the highest and best version of who he's called you to be. That's all he wants. If you pursue that over money, then he brings it to you on automatically. I was going to say on GP, on general practice. He brings it to you automatically because he can trust you with it. I, I, I've said this over and over. I heard someone say this. Uh, I think it was the end of last year. And this is the story of David. Can God trust you to anoint you to be king and you'll go back in the field and continue to be a shepherd and yet not be sitting on your throne yet? And for many of you, you're waiting for your throne. You're waiting for God to give it to you instead of doing the work to go after it. And again, it's, I want you to check your viewpoint. Okay. So listen, I want you to understand that God, that the enemy tries to distract you by using your viewpoint. John 10, 10, these are all Bible verses I say over and over again. I need y'all to get this. John 10, 10 says that it becomes to steal, kill and to destroy. If it's going to steal, kill, and destroy, it's going to be in looking at how you're viewing money. How are, what's the energy you have around money? So there's two ways you can look at money, from a poverty place or a pride place. And some of you guys are going, ooh, poverty, but some of you, and listen, I've been in both. Let me out myself, you don't out yourself. So let me tell you the difference in both. So poverty is, is really that struggle mentality. And I think, you know, somewhere somebody told us that if you have ministry or if you're a pastor, you're supposed to struggle. And I remember this was me for the first 17 years of my business. Many of you guys have heard this story until I was willing to invest in my gift. And I hired a coach scared, but I kept praying for a miracle. And God was sitting back waiting for me to be the miracle that I needed. And what I mean by that is I'm not taking God out of my life. I'm not saying that, but he was waiting for me to trust that he had given me everything I needed. And the miracle came when I did the work. And then all of a sudden I went from 13,000 to over 200,000 in my business. I saw God show up and show out in ways I can't even begin to put words to because I started to believe in the gift he placed inside of me. Instead of being in the struggle place, listen, when I started getting that lesson, God said this to me and I quote, and this is straight from God. I've probably only heard God's visible voice maybe 10 times in a lifetime. He said to me, struggle and service should never coexist. Why would I give you a gift and want you to struggle? Why is your father, your heavenly father, and I love you. Why would I want you to struggle? But until I was willing to do the work and learn the lesson, oh, he was going to let me stay right there. God is going to let you live on whatever level you settle for. So if you're saying things like, mm, are you feeling guilty because you know that you're meant to do this thing? And when you make more money again, you might acquire things. Like I remember when I had an Audi, and this is a real story. And I moved to start planning my wedding. And it was time for my Audi to, well, then I got married. I forgot about the part. Then I got married. I still have my Audi. <laughs> and it was time for me to trade in my Audi. And I had moved to Boston. So I thought, okay, I should get a SUV because the snow's here. I'm from California. I don't know how to drive in the snow. I think I'll go get a Mazda SUV because that was a cheaper, more economical SUV. And I had a struggling nonprofit at the time. This must have been in 2007, maybe 2008. Remember, my breakthrough didn't come to 2010, okay? So I go to the Mazda dealership. Who does this, y'all? And the man goes like this. He goes, you should go next door. You should go next door and look at the BMW because your residual value is going to be so low when you bring it back. It's not worth it. He said, and you'll pay the same monthly payment. And when I went over to BMW and, I, and he was right and I, I felt guilty. So I wouldn't buy the BMW because I was in my poverty mindset still. I was in a poverty place thinking, how can I drive a BMW? And when I called Audi, because I wouldn't go take the BMW, I called Audi to buy my Audi that I had leased, because I use lease cars, because I like new cars every two or three years, right? So I called Audi to buy my car. Do you know, it, it cost more for me to buy the car I already had there for me to lease the BMW. And my husband said, God is trying to bless you with the car you deserve. Go get the BMW. 
And so it took me some years to realize I was in a place where I felt guilty that I could have nice things. Like God can't gift me for the years of service I've been in. Now you shouldn't be focused and have a desire to be seen and you want people to see you with status. That's a pride mindset. And I wrote this quote down, KJ Smith, uh, actress, she's in Tyler Perry's sisters. Those of you that watch this show, she said in the essence article, why she was failing in her acting career. And this is what she said. I compared myself to other people and felt like I deserve this. Not a spirit of gratitude or alignment with God. I was completely out of alignment and operating out of ego. So when you're saying I deserve this, many of you have a, a PhD, a master's degree. I say this all the time and you think I should know how to do this. That's coming from a pride place. How come she got the job and I didn't pride place instead of realizing what's for you is for you and no one can take the job. That's for you. So when you have that poverty mindset and really you either feel guilty for wanting more, some of you did not write the amount you really felt in your spirit because you felt guilty. How can I want that? Or you make little of the gift that you are in the world or you don't acknowledge how phenomenal God has created you. You're coming from a poverty place. Those of you that are coming from an ego place, I deserve this and this is taking too long and I should know how to do this and I already got all this. Yeah, that's a pride place. It wasn't until I let go of my ego because I was dealing with both when my business was struggling. And how did it help me? How's that serving me? It wasn't. Neither. Poverty or prideful. Neither served me. Neither one. And so instead, I want to encourage you to look at how you shift that into gratitude. Now, here's how I want you to get this. I'm looking at my notes because I've skipped so much stuff, right? <laughs> So I want you to listen as I read these and check where you are. Now, these are some examples. They may not be exactly where, but I tried to write enough of these that you could see if you're in pride or poverty and that you need to shift to gratitude. And this is, this is like growing a muscle. It's like going to the gym. And I really want you to look at over the next week, how are you focusing when anyone brings a conversation up about money? When you think about any situation in your life, Pride says, I deserve it. Poverty says, I should feel guilty. Gratitude says, thank you. Thank you, Lord. So I got that BMW. I just started thinking, God, when I walk around this house, when I sold an 1,800 square foot house to buy a 7,000 square foot house, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you blessed me with this. Thank you for all the years I've worked hard that you've given me a gift back for my labor. Thank you. Instead of being minimizing it, and saying, oh, well, you know, no, God bless me and I have favor and I'm thankful to God. Be in gratitude. When someone says, why wow, you have a nice house? It's funny. I wrote this out. <laughs> Pride says we're going to build a bigger one. Poverty says it was a foreclosure. Gratitude says, thank you. The Lord blessed us. When someone says, well, that's a nice outfit. See, Pride says, oh, I had this tailor-made or, oh, you know, this is St. John or, oh, you know, this is Black Halo. Unless somebody asks you what the designer is. But poverty says, oh, it was on sale. Gratitude says what? Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you, girl. This is my favorite outfit. I love this too. <laughs> I appreciate you for saying it. When someone says, that's a nice car, poverty says, oh, this is only one of three of my cars. Poverty says, oh, this, I got this, or this is my, this is my company car, or oh, this, this was so marked down. Again, gratitude says, thank you. I really want you to get this. Pride wants people to think we spent a lot of money. They want to know the labels you have on. You want people to know the status. Oh, I'm on this list or oh, I was invited to this party. Poverty wants people to think we paid less and that you don't deserve to be here and that you don't deserve the seat at the table, that you don't deserve to grow your business. That's poverty mindset. Gratitude doesn't care what people think. Ultimately, poverty cares about being the woman, the man that God has created you to be. And so I really want to encourage you as we start the conversation over the next five weeks, this is a five week series. I'm going to pour more into you and we're going to dig deeper in part two of even this conversation as to really look at your viewpoint. In what way are you looking at money? 
Yes, the love of money is a root of all evil. So if you're looking at money for money's sake, for the things you can buy, for the status you can get, for the way people will see you, then you have the wrong viewpoint. That's pride. If you're looking at money like, oh, I can never do that. I can't aspire for that. Oh, I shouldn't even dream about that. Then you're in a poverty place. And again, if God is your heavenly father, why would he want his children to be in poverty or in struggle or in lack? That's not the God we serve. So I don't know what kind of God you serve and if that's how you feel. And if that's you, I need you to check yourself either way. And sit in gratitude and thank God for all the blessings coming to you because you reap what you sow. If you're working in the field that God has created you to work in, then why would God not gift you for that? You know, as my mother's moving here, she wants to move in an apartment. So I found an apartment up the street, really 15 minutes from my house. And she applied for the apartment. And my husband was like, you're not stressed that she's not going to get that apartment. I was like, why would God find the perfect apartment? I go over and the staff are phenomenal and nice and warm. And then there's a phenomenal senior center, new one, four minutes from her house. There's walking trails. It's just a beautiful neighborhood. Like, why would all of that be set up in that? My mother's not going to get that. Oh, that she's going to get it. And there was like, I said, oh, because I know how God works. We're going to stop here and take a quick commercial break. And we'll be back for more. Hello, highly skilled professional. Yes, I'm talking to you. Whether you have a desire to start a business alongside your 9 to 5, or you've already started a business and you're ready to make predictable revenue. See, I've created something to support you, and it's called the Brilliance Roadmap Quiz. And guess what? It's free. Learn more about it at brilliancerodemapquiz.com. See, taking this assessment ask you some specific questions that will assess where you are in the journey and then from there you'll be invited into a five-part training again for free that will give you the tools you need to move from where you are into the next steps to start or grow your purpose-focused business right now you ready learn more and get started today by going to brilliancerodemapquiz.com how can you say bankroll and called in the same sentence so i can't talk about god and wealth and what I know for sure is bankroll means a supply of money. And when we look at that from 2 Corinthians 9, 10, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. See, God is our supplier. Even I looked up the word supply definition just so we can be in alignment and supply means a person or organization that provides something needed such as a product or a service. So God has given you everything you need. That's why he gave you purpose. That's why you have a natural propensity for some things. You're naturally great at some things. Oh, there's no accident. See, you are a supply. You're a supply for every person that needs you. And that supply that comes back to you is the money, the abundance, the wealth that is yours for the taking. Only when you say yes to do the work that God put you on this earth to do. But when you focus your attention on getting money, you're actually cutting off your supply. See, believing that money is your supply, that money is your support, your security, or your safety, is cutting off your supply when money isn't your supply, but God is. So what God did to enable you to really provide, that's what he did when he gave you purpose. See, that purpose is to provide for you all those that are attached to you, plus others gain that need you. So give you some examples of this, if you don't believe me. God planted Adam in the garden. See, that garden was meant to be Adam's supply. Joseph was placed second in command in his nation. You know, Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat that we read about and heard about when we were little. Even though he went through all the things that would have made you think and probably made Joseph think, or maybe people around him. See, God gives you vision, but you've got to go after the provision to make the vision real. God's not going to do everything. He does the one thing, which is give you purpose. And it's like, okay, now what you going to do with it? And because Joseph stayed true to it is why he became second in command. And that being the second command in the nation became not just his supply, but his family's supply. It became a whole country's supply. Listen, Abraham. Abraham had wealth because of his assignment. You don't believe he had wealth? First of all, when God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth 
I told Abraham, oh, I got you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you everything you need. And then it says in Genesis 13, 2, Abraham was rich, very rich. Now I'm reading from the Bible, y'all. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. So you think we're not meant to be wealthy? See, Abraham was willing to do what Adam, Adam wouldn't. I want you to get this. Abraham was willing to do what Adam wouldn't. All God told Adam to do is don't eat from that tree. You've got the entire garden. You've got everything. I mean, the animals, everything that God placed in the garden was for Adam. And Adam got greedy. And did the one thing God told him not to do. And that's what I believe that Bible verse that says the love of money is a root of all evil is greed. And the Bible says many things about money, but the heart of the matter is this money can become something that rules our lives only if you let it. So my first question to you is what is your focus? Do you want to live out your assignment? Or are you focused on making money? There's a direct correlation between the way you handle money and your purpose. Because your vision is going no further than your provision. But it's all about how you focus on going after that provision. So if we're looking at Adam or Joseph or Abraham as our examples, and that's three. I could use so many more examples from the Bible and real life for that matter. God gives you purpose to provide for you. So why would God not want you to live abundantly? So it's interesting to me that people think you can't talk about money and God in the same sentence. Or you can't talk about wealth and God in the same sentence. Or you can't talk about prosperity and God in the same sentence. When it says in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that's in us, that works in us. So the power that works in us is what? Our purpose. The power that works in us is our purpose. And so if we really look at what does abundance mean, because I quote, this is one of my favorite Bible verses. Many of you know this Bible verse. I don't know if it's a favorite like it is for me. But when I think about it, if he's able to do exceedingly abundantly. Abundance means existing or occurring in large amounts. Now, there are certain principles of abundance when we realize them will Free us from lack or limitation, from having a prideful viewpoint or one of poverty when it comes to money. By the way, the prideful and poverty I broke down in part one of this conversation. Again, I say to you, when you focus your attention on getting money, you're cutting off your supply. That's that abundance occurring in large amounts. So for our conversation here in part two, let me encourage you to begin to start or stop focusing on money. And start to focus on and even pursuing your purpose. Because as you live it out and do what it takes to get clear on your purpose, to own it and grow it. I want you to watch how God rises up to bless you. Just like he did for Joseph and Abraham. Or will you allow greed to push you out of your assignment? Or I should say out of alignment with your assignment. Like Abraham did. So let me talk a second about working for it. And I really want you to understand this. It's not going to be easy. I say this so much, but I see so many people who think I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. And in that moment, you're already limiting God. Because God's like, I already gave you everything you need. It's like being in the garden and Adam's praying for a garden. It's like, uh, I, I put you in here. I'm, I'm done. Because I, I want you to get that many of us have been wired with a viewpoint that is how we look at money. That is why I believe God dropped the whole Cultivate Your Calling series that I just finished. So if you missed any of that, I believe God gave me this series after that one because of the way that we're wired about money. So if you, if you missed any of it, it's episodes 9 through 12. Go to fpppodcast.com. Again, that's fpppodcast.com and listen to episodes 9 through 12. Because ultimately, you need to check your viewpoint of money. And how you've been wired by your family or by your community or by your gender or by your race or, or your neighborhood or whatever that might be. How that has affected your viewpoint on going after your own abundantly above all. How it's affected your viewpoint on wealth. How it's affected your viewpoint on investing in your purpose. God's the ultimate investor. He invested in you first. He's looking, will you 
also invest in your purpose. That investment was the DNA he placed in you at birth, that distinct natural ability. Now, what are you going to do with it? That's the investing in your purpose part. I want you to look at how your viewpoint has affected you on moving past where you are that will allow you to go after the abundance that is assigned to you. But you only get it when you go after it with all your heart. And here's that love thing again, right? I just said heart. And their love is. So as the Bible verse says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Because when you focus on money over purpose or eating from the one tree in the garden that God told you not to eat from, instead of the fact that God gave you the whole garden, hello, Adam, when you wish for what someone else has, instead of being persistent on the path that God created for you, that is a love of money that's springing forth. See, money is not the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. So I'm going to end with this and I want to open up a conversation and hear from you this quote which I don't even know where it came from. I had it written in my notes somewhere. What we need to realize above all else is that God has provided for the most minute needs of our daily lives. And that if we lack anything, it's because we have not done what it takes to work for it. Now, as I say that, I want you to get this. When you're in a lack place and you might be, oh, well, I lost my job. There's an opportunity waiting for you, but you've got to do the work to find it. I remember once I was having this conversation with my mother and, she, and my mother will be 80 uh, at the beginning of next year. <laughs> and we were talking about she was looking for a job. She's like, well, I've been praying for a job. I said, mommy, listen, you know God better than me because you're the one to introduce God to me. And, and God is not going to just drop a, a, a job in your lap because you've been praying. How many applications have you filled out? She laughed so hard. I said, you like one of these people praying for a miracle. What you praying to win the, the, the sweepstakes, which is the focus on money and not God. That's a false focus on God, because what you're doing is you telling God how to bless you instead of you trusting God that he will bless you. What we need to realize, read this quote one more time, above all else is that God has provided for the most minute details of our daily life. So what you've got to do is begin to go look for it, pursue it. It's not going to be easy because if it was easy, you wouldn't be working for it. And God wants to see, can you handle it? Will you do what it takes? Because once you get it, who you were before you got it is who you're going to be after. Another of my favorite Bible verses is to whom much is given, much is required. Oh, I want a lot. So if you want a lot, that means there's much required from you. Oh, it was easy back in the garden of Eden, but Adam messed that up. So now we got to work for it. <laughs> and so my question to you is really looking at how are you looking at money? Are you focused on more money, more purpose? Are you focused on more money, more things, more money, more material, more money, more status, more money, more of being in alignment? So let's open up the conversation. I always want to hear from you. So all you've got to do is raise your hand, come on up. And as we do, we want to hear from Yolanda. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Yolanda Churchwell, and I am the system solutionist. Um, this morning, I, I was looking at this thing last night. Um, and so I continued on last night. You were in First Timothy. I continued on First Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And read that part again. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, and that they may hold on eternal life. They may lay hold on eternal life. So that made me just get to thinking. Um, and I looked up wealth. Wealth is... One definition of wealth is adequate physical possessions to live and flourish combined with a specific heart attitude, a specific heart attitude, a mentality, a belief toward the purpose of those possessions. So it's not just having the possessions. It's the thought. It's the attitude behind it. Your attitude makes the difference. I know we've all heard the phrase, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Our parents have probably said it to us. We've probably said it to people. I know I have to say it at work sometimes to people like, get your whole life, don't talk to me like that. Well, it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's not the having of possessions and resources. It's your attitude toward 
how you go about getting them, how you go about keeping them, and what they mean to you in terms of the priorities in your life. If that if that attitude is in alignment with God, there's absolutely nothing wrong, wrong with having things and being wealthy. There's a difference between being wealthy and being rich. To be rich means that you have a self-indulgent heart or attitude. If you notice in the scriptures I just read, it said, God gives us richly. He gives us because he wants us to have. He gives because he wants us to know who he is and that it comes from him. But to be wealthy, the difference is a steward of God's gifts and management of them to honor him. That's just not possession, physical possessions. That's everything. That's the God-given purpose that he's giving you. That's how you manage your emotions. That's everything that he gives you. So again, being wealthy is being a good steward of everything that God gives us, that peace that he gives us that surpasses all understanding. And being a good, being a, a good steward of that and managing it to honor him. So it's four things that you need to do when you become wealthy because i'm i'm already doing them because i know i'm gonna be wealthy i feel like if you if you if you stay ready you ain't got to get ready so I'm, I'm i'm getting ready right now don't think you're better than other people deuteronomy 8 18 don't think you're better than other people that's a bad attitude make sure that you keep your hope in god not in your business not in your money not in your possessions keep your hope in god proverbs 23 5. commit to performing good works Make sure that you are tithing not only your money, but your talents and your treasure. I mean, your your time and your treasure. Your mm, time and your talent, not just your treasure. And then be generous. Be willing to share ideas, share information, share your money. That's not with everybody, but be willing to share. So again, there's a difference between wealth and rich. And it all comes down to your attitude and how you handle things. And if God is in the forefront of why you're doing what you're doing, then there's nothing wrong with having the blessings that come from that. That's all. So good. So good as always. I have uh, two pages of notes, by the way. So I want just from Yolanda, by the way. So I want you guys to really, really understand this. God has blessed us. And what we do with our supply is how we give our blessing back to God. We're going to dig deeper into this conversation over the next uh, four weeks now, because this is week one. But he's, even as Yolanda was sharing, what I was reminded, and I found it quickly, of this story in one of these books that I'm reading, because I'm always reading four books at a time. I know y'all don't judge me, but God will give me something, and I'm like, ooh, it's in that book over there, and then I read that part, and then God will give me something else and tell me to go in another book. So that's my reading journey. <laughs> so this is a pastor that was having a problem with money. And I talked about this in part one, but everyone knows that preachers are supposed to be poor, right? And that might be in some places, in some cultures, in some, some, I know the black church has done us wrong with that, dare I say that. And maybe that's just what our viewpoint has done to the church and not the church has done it to us. So here's what this pastor says. And by the way, this is not a black pastor. This is a white pastor. I remember purchasing a very nice jacket. I'm reading from the book. I remember purchasing a very nice jacket once and then returning it because I felt guilty about wearing it. It was a golf jacket that was just what I wanted and needed for some time. I found it at a golf shop at half price. I called Debbie, which is his wife, from the golf shop, the pro shop, to get her opinion. She said, it's a great deal. Buy it. So I wore it directly onto the golf course and proceeded to play some of the worst golf of my life. <laughs> of course, the spirit of poverty was quick to place the blame for my horrible score on the new jacket. And this is what he was saying to himself. God didn't want you to have the nice jacket. You missed, you've missed God, and now your golf game is cursed. Believe it or not, as soon as the round was over, I returned the jacket and got my money back. But that wasn't the end of it. In the days that followed, I began to grieve over having to return that jacket. I stewed about it and actually found myself resenting God. I can't believe I even had a nice jacket. Other people get to have nice things, and I can't even buy a coat without my golf game being cursed. It's not fair, God. That's him talking to God. 
After putting up with this nonsense for about three days, God eventually got my attention and spoke very quickly. And here's what God said. Quit blaming me for you not having that jacket. I didn't tell you to take that jacket back. Then he says something I've never forgotten. The Lord said, son, I never speak to you through guilt or condemnation. He also added, and by the way, don't blame me for your lousy golf game. You've never needed any help from me to play badly. (laughs) The reason I've read that to you is I want you to get that it's amazing that so many of, of God's people, of all of us, people of faith, must explain why or explain away the presence of anything that God wants to bless us with. When, when you look at it as God's give back to you for the work you do. Now, I'm not saying you need to go overboard and focus on, ooh, you know, I want to get a, a jet. There might be an opportunity or a time where God will place in your spirit a, a way to get a jet. So don't limit God's ability to bless you. But when you focus on, I'm going to do everything, how much money I need to, okay, I need to make $2.5 million to get that jet. That's focusing on money and not focusing on doing the work. And then if God puts a, a drop something in your path to bless you, then go get it. So when you feel guilty for the blessings, that's that spirit of poverty on you. That's that viewpoint of poverty. When you are prideful, like I deserve a jet because I travel a lot. That's that pride jumping up. By the way, I think that's what happened with Eve. And the serpent used that for Eve to say, yeah, how come I can't eat this piece of fruit? When God only asked her to do one thing. As I really want you to check where you are when you look at your money. How are you using your money to move your purpose forward? How are you allowing abundance to flow through you? Because I want you to also get this. When you live abundantly above all, you're showing others what's possible. You're blessing other people also in the process. I had you guys do an exercise in part one. And that exercise was looking at how your money will bring meaning in your life. And so I want you to just check your viewpoint. Michelanda, did you want to say or share something? Yeah, because you just you just made me remember something. Um, uh, for those of you who may not know, I am a PK. My father is a preacher, and I, I goes and ask him these questions uh, from time to time. And I remember when I first started working um, for the IRS some years and years ago, I asked him because the Bible says something about the tax collectors, and I said, "Daddy, am I operating outside the will of God?" And he said, "No, the Bible spoke badly about the tax collectors." because it was there were some who were stealing from people and taking advantage of people. So as long as you are doing your job in good conscience, there is nothing wrong with you having that job because it also says somewhere that it, you know you need to pay what's due to people and so you have people have to pay their taxes. But that just made me think about when Nicole you were just saying how, you know, the church gets a bad rap and another time my dad said it's not that Preachers can't have money and nice things, but if you have that mo- that money and those nice things at the expense of your um, people, the people that you're over at the expense of them having things, if they're having to go without for you to have them, you're supposed to be a leader. You're supposed to lead the people. So as the preacher grows, so, so should the congregation. But when it's lopsided, that's where the issue is. Again, it's the attitude, it's the motive behind it. Don't let, don't let, and I was talking about this on my live the other day. Satan does not have the ability to create anything. All he can do is mimic or take what God has done and make it bad. He can try to distort it. So God has explained to us in his word that we can have wealth and riches. But then here comes Satan to try to distort that, to make us think that we can't have what God intended us to have. Stop letting Satan get in the way of what God intended for us. And like that, she drops the mic. Stop letting Satan get in the way for what God intended for us. So good. And as she was sharing, I thought of another equation. So last night in part one, we talked about M plus M, meaning plus money, which is ultimately what life is supposed to be. It's the meaning that comes because you're making money. But here's a new equation to think about. M plus M equals M. Motive plus money equals meaning. If your motive is in the right place, if you're focused on making money for the right reasons. I love that. You know, I know so many people for years used to condemn T.D. Jakes. 
And what people don't realize is that brother got multiple streams of income down on lock. Now, I have not met T.D. Jakes yet. Uh -huh, I'm going to claim it. Uh, I'm going to claim that I'm going to speak on his stages. But anyway, so, um, <laughs> so anyway, when you look at all the streams of revenue, he has books, several books. He produces movies. He has all kind of income property. The thing I love when you watch how he flows in Africa and the money he gives in other continents and the programs he has in other countries that gives back. So why would he not be blessed with a phenomenal car? Why would he not be blessed with a phenomenal house for all the work, even the movies he does? He has a new movie coming out, I think it's April 23rd or somewhere around there, called Greed. So what he's doing is he's going into the mainstream to give a purposeful insight to people. He's bringing the church outside of the walls of the church to teach people that may not ever go to church. Why would God not bless him for going and being a disruptor to the system? So I really want to give you thought and give you pause this week as we start. This is the first part of a five-part series, More Money, More Purpose, is the title for the whole series. So this has been an overarching conversation. Now we're going to dig deep in the next four parts. I'm going to have a conversation with you next week about how God has already given you a living trust. Oof, just saying that makes me get excited. God's already given you a living trust. So we're going to continue to talk about more money, more purpose, so that you're doing two things. One, you're living as the highest and best version who God created you to be, and that you're getting in alignment with the work you need to do to do it. Again, the only difference between Adam and Abraham is Adam let greed get in his way, or he listened to Eve, who got greedy, and he let her deter him. So he got out of alignment with what God had already placed before him. Abraham was willing to be obedient even when he could not see, which is why he, he got wealthy in the next chapter. Now, I don't know how soon that happened. Chapter 12 starts the journey of him leaving when God said, leave, I'm going to make your name great. And the next chapter, it says that he was rich. I'm like, well, dang, how fast did that happen? Unfortunately, we don't know. But the point is this. Because he was obedient, God gave back to him. That's that exceedingly, abundantly above all you can ask or think. But you've got to do the provision in the middle. So this is what I want you to think about for our thought to ponder for this week. What are you willing to do to go after all that God has in store for you? Will you sit in complacent or easy? Will you sit in greed or desire what other people have? Or will you do the work to be all of what God has purposed you to be. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Faith Purpose Profit Podcast. Now I want you to walk away from these episodes with value. So I want you to write down the answers to one of these questions. Number one, what was your greatest takeaway? Number two, what will you do different as a result of what you heard? You may have heard something you've heard before, or you may have learned something new. Either way, don't take the insight that you got for granted. I want you to commit to doing one thing different as a result of what you heard. And then I want you to share it. Share your takeaways in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com and use the hashtag FPP podcast. Now, the last thing I want to ask you to do, if you got any value out of this episode is to share it with your community. Post it on social media. Tell people to join our conversation by going to fpppodcast.com. Now, until the next time, be extraordinary, be unapologetic, be bodaciously all that God created you to be as you connect your faith with purpose so that as you be the answer you were born to be in this world, God can give you the profit you deserve as a gift for a job well done.